Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 70. Today, we have a special guest. Pet Parisha is still, you know, I had a rough day yesterday as a sports fan, being a New York Jets fan. It was terrible, but it's probably not as bad as being an Arsenal fan these days. So Pet is still going to sit this one out. So it's Matt Santangelo with me, and our very special guest today is Zach Lowy, recurring guest. I believe this is either time number three on, but it's the second time I'm doing a podcast here with Zach. Um, but first of all, fellas, how are you guys doing? How is your uh, winter, first day of winter over here? By the way, so. I'm, I've, I've been well. Um, Milan are having a really strong start to the season right now at the time of recording, of course, because there's a mid game coming up against Lazio. We are in first place. So all things considered, I'm a pretty happy on that front. But Zach, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Pleasure to uh, be back on. Uh, it's funny. I was I was speaking with my cousin who's a Jets fan yesterday. I'm like, hey, Darnold uh, playing pretty well yesterday, and he texted me back uh, like, we need him to play worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martina could speak every, on that. every Jets fan said uh, it's. I'm not gonna bore. I'm not gonna bore all of our European listeners with, <laughs> with hand egg as they like to call it. So. We could just move on from that because that's <laughs> what I want to do as soon as yeah. possible. But um, yeah. yeah, there's been a ton going on ever since we last talked to you, um, especially what that was January or something. January, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost a full twelve months already. That's how fast everything goes by. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so much has happened: the drama, COVID, um, mm-hmm. transfers happening, not happening, and. The main focus today is right. something that's probably your most well-known topic, I'd like to say, maybe, <laughs> um, or one of them for sure, is Leo Messi and the well-run club that is called FC Barcelona. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a ton well, to get into yeah. with it, so go ahead yeah. and take it away. I'm sure I'm sure Real Madrid fans would agree with you that they're a well-run club. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's been a pretty embarrassing season, honestly. Been a very, um, you know, eye-gouging season, I would say. I've actually, I like, I, you know, there were there have been a few seasons where, you know, I would watch every single Barcelona game, you know, for, for really as long as I can remember. But this game, this season, I've there have been a lot of games where I've just decided to put on a league Un or a, a Bundesliga match instead of it just because I can't deal with the pain. Um, but you know, there have been some positives, but overall it's just been, a. I mean, I think it's probably been the worst season of my lifetime. Um, you know, of, of Barcelona, it's just like, you know, it's not a real transitional season and it's not a real like competitive season. It's sort of like purgatory, you know, it would have been a transitional season if Barcelona had sold Lionel Messi, obviously in the, uh, in the August window to, to Manchester city. Um, but now we're sort of left with that, you know, hanging over our heads for the next few months. Um, and we, you know, in Barcelona run an incredibly real risk of losing Messi for free uh, this summer. Now PSG are being mentioned as a name and, you know, with, with, with Neymar and Mbappe already there, there's definitely a possibility that, that they could form sort of like the new Messi Suarez Neymar um, in attack. So, 
yeah, it, it just hasn't been a a great season for them. Um, I'll be honest, I, I probably the biggest reason why I was tuning into to uh, pretty much every Barcelona game in the start of the season was Ansu Fati. Um, you know, just seeing him take the game by the scruff of his neck every single game and just just showing what he could do at such a young age. Uh, for me, that was the most exciting thing of watching Barcelona. And with him injured, it's just it just really doesn't have the same feel. I mean, there are a lot of it promising young players uh, on this team, such as Pedri, who's who's been really one of the the shining lights, despite only having, I think, what, 17, 18 years of age. Um, Serginho Dest, another, you know, American talent who's been very, who's been very impressive. Uh, Francisco Trincao, who hasn't had a great time to, a great start to life in Spain, but is still a player who, who I think has a very high ceiling. And once he can, um, you know, find a run of form, I think that he can be a very key player. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of Barcelona fans would agree with me in saying that it's been a very, probably the most painful season, um, just excruciating season, just seeing them really not just just getting outplayed by teams, not not even like Juventus, but just just bottom half teams. It's It's just pretty embarrassing. Now, Zach, uh, you know, obviously you touched on some of the younger players, and I think that's what a lot of Barcelona fans, including yourself, are kind of hanging their hats on. Maybe not necessarily entirely because they're a team that has been uh, known to spend a little bit and you'll get some high-profile players in there. But more or less, I think they're looking towards the post-Messi era and they lean, they're going to supposedly be leaning on those younger players, some of them that you mentioned already. So first off, what do you see Barcelona as, as an entity, as a club, as a brand, post Messi because I think obviously you know I could speak for myself here where I kind of was around you know, kind of really got immersed in the game around the time he he broke in yep. to, to Barcelona's first team and really became just this iconic footballer so before I get into what Barcelona need to do to rebuild to get back to previous heights or something close to that what do you expect Barcelona to be in the post Messi era it's it's so hard to say just because like for, for so many years, Barcelona's identity was just was just messy, you know, for it, it especially after, um, you know, the decline of Xavi and Iniesta. I think that the, the main identity was just messy, relying on his individual quality, uh, certainly in the last past few years with with the departure of Neymar. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't know that I'm actually a Barcelona fan just because I spend more time, way more time criticizing them than praising them. So they're kind of surprised when, when they see that I'm a Barcelona fan. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what the identity of this club will be. Uh, I think first and foremost, because we don't know who the next president will be. You know, there, there are rumors that, I mean, it, it, it looks like the two strongest options right now Arjon Laporta, who, you know, as we know, took to, took Barcelona from the doldrums to to being, you know, the best club, uh, the the biggest and best club in the world after he was, uh, you know, pu- before he was pushed out by Sandro Rosell. Uh, so there's definitely a possibility that he could win. Um, Victor Font is another is another man who is uh, up for for the candidacy. 
So it looks like those two guys are are the two biggest front runners right now. I don't have the the latest polling numbers, or I don't I don't know what you know who's who's number one, who's number two. But it looks like it's probably going to be one of those two guys. Um, and yeah, I, I can only hope that 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 once you know whether Messi leaves or not, I can only hope that the next president, whether that be Font Laporta or somebody else. Uh, you know, shifts the focus back of, of Barcelona to what it was a few years, a few years back, a decade back. You know, I, I would like there to be a greater focus on on La Masia and, and less of a Galactico um, strategy. I felt I felt like in the past, in the last few years of Bartomeu's reign, Barcelona really became a, a, Galactico, a Galactico club, um, you know, especially after the departure of Neymar which is a bit ironic because Neymar was kind of the first real Galactico purchase that, that Barcelona made uh, the past decade. And, you know, you've seen big money transfers such as Coutinho Griezmann, which just really ended up flopping. Um, I would really like to see more of a focus on just developing young players, whether those be, whether that be from, you know, the Academy, such as Ricky Puig, such as Oscar Mingueza, um, or just young players from, you know, from from South America or from Europe for anywhere. Um, I think that that's that's a team that Barcelona fans can get behind. They they may not be challenging at the top of La Liga uh, with with a with a more young raw players, but it's it, it'll, it'll place much of a less of a burden on the uh, on the wage bill, and you know it, it's a process. So I think that it's something that that will take a lot of patience. And that nobody really knows the answer, but whether Messi decides to stay or not, we need to start. We, we need to start focusing. Uh, we need to start changing the focus of of this club in order for it to react better and and prepare itself for the Messi departure. Because right now, uh, Barcelona are, at a, are in a very vulnerable position, uh, both on the pitch but also off the pitch. I mean, looking at the the club's financial problems. In, in the wake of the, the Griezmann and, and uh, Usmane and Coutinho deals and, and the wage bill. It's just in a very precarious situation, uh, and both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, so I, I think that first and foremost, I would like to see a shift away from those big money, high-risk signings and, and more of a focus on on producing young talent, whether that be from La Masia or from other leagues. Um, like I said, it'll take a lot of patience. I don't know if if most Barcelona fans have that patience, um, but I, I would personally would like to see that to to kind of develop, you know, trust the process and developing that that core of young, unrefined talent to to be that next uh, next dynasty team. So you mentioned all of those things that I thought were true for years because a lot of the, you know, moves that they were making in the transfer market truly just didn't make much sense to me at the end of the day. I think it was just, you know, they didn't need to overload the front and all these purchases too. It's not even that whatever guys they brought in were expensive. It's that every expensive transfer that they brought in either had injury issues they had a fit tactically that was not to their liking. I mean, Griezmann is probably the best example of it I think I've seen. Um, 
it's just like if you're if you're messy and your goal is like what what is his goal at the end of the day because uh, to some extent it has to be matching cristiano with champions league wins it's got to be winning the champions league because we've seen him dominate the league and he had one of his quote-unquote poor seasons which is just ridiculous because of the standard he sets where he gets a 2020 season and it's poor and he drags a team to second like for me it's just like what are his goals at the end of the day and can Barca address and help him reach those goals within the next two to three years because I'm not convinced they do because whatever route they have to go down it's 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 going to be a process like you said because say he leaves they're not going to be able to bring in some of all the top talents in the world. If your greatest and homegrown player of all time isn't willing to stay at the club, what does it say about the way you're ran? And why do young talents that want to develop and have a better future want to go there? It's not to say Barca can't do that, but I think it just raises so many questions and, and it hurts them because it's everyone likes to draw the comparisons to AC Milan, right? Because Listen, they had the name, they won the trophies, but at the end of the day, they weren't producing some of the best young talents in the world anymore. It was a terrible environment to be in, and there wasn't a name that you could hang your hat on the past six, seven years. I'd be like, okay, like he goes under his wing there. Like when you're going to Barca now, it's just, you know, a fading ghost of Sergio Busquets if if Messi leaves. It's just really the environment is something that's going to have to change and that's going to take a while if he leaves. My question basically is like, I mean, like, I, like why would Messi want to stay? Like, what is your pit? What would your pitch yeah. be to him now? Because you've fired multiple managers. The directors are gone. There's a new president coming in. I mean, to me, from what I've read and understand, Ronald Koeman isn't someone he's thrilled or ecstatic about. So were they going to fire another manager? It's just, you know, there's just so many questions and stuff up in the air right now. I just like, what, what, what would yeah. you, what would you think he would want to do at this point? Yeah. I mean, I'm not Don Draper, so I can't make a perfect advertising pitch to him, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to come up with a pitch to make him uh, reject Manchester and, and PSG and teams of that ilk. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, first and foremost, Barcelona is the club that made Messi into what he was. You know, if he had stayed in, in Newell's, you know, he, he'd probably just be playing football, probably just being play, playing five-a-side football right now, you know. He, <laughs> so it is the club that made him what he is today. That being said, um, he has done everything that he can possibly do to, to take this club to to the Champions League final, which is really the ghost that they've been chasing for the past uh, more than five years at this point. Um, I think that both both in the Roma and and in the Liverpool uh, semi, uh, the, both in the Roma and Liverpool ties, they came excruciatingly close. Um, and you know, once once you fail to to get past that, once you fail to close it out. It just takes such a such a mental toll on you. I think yeah. uh, just one of those things that I I mean I feel like it's it's better to just at, at, from a squad building perspective sometimes it's just better to just get rid of of guys who played a part in those ones just because it takes such a mental toll on you. You know I I sort of feel like Leonardo um, you know former Milan sporting director and and current <laughs> PSG 
sporting director. I sort of feel like he he tried to do some of that um, after PSG's elimination to to Manchester United and in, in clearing out players who 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 were part of that team. Um, I think it's just logistically it sort of makes sense. Um, and I don't think that Barcelona have done anywhere near a good a job of that. They've sort of tried to persist with the same guys. And, you know, they, they're ignoring, or maybe they're not ignoring, they're just, they're just not taking into account uh, how big of a role that, that plays the mental anguish of, of two near misses. Um, and, and at the end of the day, this Barcelona squad has gotten a lot worse because of, one, failure to replace star players. Uh, two, uh, just a, a lack of a tactical strategy whatsoever. Um, and three, um, I, I would say just, just aging. You know, a lot of these key players are aging and, and it remains to be seen whether, you know, whether a player like Ronald, Ronaldo Araujo, uh, for example, or Oscar Minguesa can replace a legend such as such as uh, Gerard Piquet, you know. So we're what what Barcelona has done is is place a lot of a lot of faith in in players such as Busquets and and Piquet who are on the wrong side of thirty uh, to not only bounce back from from those two near misses and but but to also just just remain fit and and remain top fitness and that's just in I think an unfair expectation. Um, so yeah, it's hard to think of a case that would convince Messi to stay, especially since, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Guardiola did renew his contract. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Messi puts that much emphasis in, in who his coach is. You know, he's, with all due respect, he's played under some pretty bad coaches for, for a club and country. So I don't think he cares <laughs> that much about it. You know, I, I feel like, I don't know, like, like if, if Barcelona decided to bring in uh, Max Allegri or Mauricio Pochettino, it would be like, oh, like, look who we got now for you. Now you're going to say, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, like, how much um, how much that would pay, play a role. I'm not sure how much much money would play a role. You know, I think that PSG or City could probably not only match, but probably even do do Barcelona better in terms of a salary offer. Um, so I, I don't know what, if, if they could really convince them to stay in terms of a financial perspective. Um, I think that really probably their only, their biggest chance to, to convince them to stay, uh, would be to bring in Neymar, which I think, I think is, is sort of, we actually ran an article on this on breaking the lines a few, a few months back on how, mm. on why having Neymar and Messi in the same team would be a bad logistical fit. And uh, to be honest, I, I think that, I think that Barcelona should, should, should just forget any attempts to bring Neymar back as good as he is. Uh, I just don't think it would make sense for, for any of the parties. Um, and I also think that, that Messi uh, would not want to would w- not want to spend the the last few years of his career in a club that's that's trying to go through a rebuild. So yeah, it's very hard to to find a convincing argument uh, to to stay. I mean, I honestly don't really know what what would convince him to stay at this point. Um, it's just a, an extremely disjointed club that. Uh, for too long has really just relied on Messi's individual brilliance to to carry them to the top. 
you know, maybe he will stay as a Barcelona fan. Uh, I, I personally hope he does because he's, he's the player that, that convinced me to support Barcelona. So it's the, it's the best story of the past 20 years. Yeah. His whole I, career. Like it just, it would just, I think it would be devastating. I don't know if you saw Pele's post on Instagram Yeah, talking about how their relationships to what, to what he was at Santos staying at a club, his whole career. Right. And just, you know, dedicating it. And I don't, he doesn't want to leave. I think it's just, honestly, it's just come to a point where it's just gotten to a scenario and, like yeah. who could he really hang his hat on that he that he has at this club still that was there from the very beginning? It's just Busquets and PK. Like it's the yeah. relationship wise there. It's just and it's all it's all out of luck because it's it's slowly turning into what's going on with Argentina and how I, they're just, doing a disservice yeah. to him. I I feel like I mean Barcelona fans, you know, they have a thing of like you know getting rid of the vacas sagradas, the sacred cows. Um, of the team um, and you know I mean I mean PK Busquets players of that ilk you know who are yeah, at the end of their prime sure but but Messi is a player who you just always want to keep in the team just because of how much he's done you know emotionally I think that a lot of Barcelona fans would would not get over a Messi departure even if it is like I think you could argue even if it wasn't in last summer the healthy thing to do from the club's economic, you know, financial standpoint. Um, it's just, it's just, some things are just bigger than money, you know, and Messi is really, I mean, he is the last of, in, in many ways, the last of a dying breed. Think of how many, how many managers, how many players really only spend their, their lives at one club. You know, obviously Messi started off at Newell's old boys, but he made himself into the player he is today at Barcelona. You know, it's an extremely rare occurrence. And I, one thing that I think that people um, that that people sort of like laugh off and, and ignore when talking about Messi's accomplishments and saying, oh, he will, you know, he hasn't done it in multiple leagues like Ronaldo has. I mean, make it's up your dumbest, mind. Do you want players to Newell or do you want players to to you know like I, I feel like they they will applaud you know guys like Gerard and and Poyol for being loyal their entire careers and and building legacy at one club but then when it comes to Messi you know so I feel like he's never gotten that sort of if the, only they had a competition for him to play <laughs> against clubs from other competitions right I mean Jesus like, Christ yeah. man yeah <laughs> I mean it's just it's just ridiculous but honestly I I've I've sort of come to peace with the uh, with the knowledge that that Messi probably will leave in the summer. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, it is it is probably the best move for him as a player. Um, and it, it will also, I mean, you'd have to be blind to ignore the benefits that that it would uh, create for Barcelona. Obviously, I want him to stay, but you know, taking his wage bill, taking his his, his salary off the wage bill would help Barcelona become a lot more financially secure. Obviously, it would have been better if they, if they were to sell him. Obviously, I, I hope that he does renew at Barcelona. Uh, but there are some benefits that, that you would take away from Messi leaving. Um, so, yeah, I mean, while, while I do hope that he, he stays and, and spends the last years of his, of his career here, um, you know, I, I have come to peace with it. And I think that... Uh, 
you know, I, I think that Barcelona fans have to realize that at this point, Messi doesn't really owe the club anything. And, and he, you know, if, if you want to see him succeed, you know, you don't have to root for PSG. You don't have to root for City. I certainly won't. Um, but, but you have to accept the fact that in, in wanting to do what's best for his career and, you know, as you, as you brought up in wanting to chase uh, Cristiano's uh, Champions League records of, 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 of Champions League victories, of Champions League goals, it might just be healthier to, to leave. And, and I'll be honest, I don't see much light at the tunnel for, for Messi at Barcelona right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, it was, it, was really, it was truly telling to see how things played out in the last summer, you know, you kind of kind of got the sense that he wanted out. Like, and I think it's really difficult for a player um, and just someone in general, right? I think if you already kind of made your mind up about a decision, and this is obviously a huge one for him and his family, um, knowing you know, his 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 history at the club, you you kind of feel like you've your mind's already been made up. And I'm not saying that's a direct reflect on you know his performances on the pitch, because for all the reasons you mentioned, guys, Barcelona are not just equipped to help Messi like and Messi help them right because I don't think they have the, the, the parts are not there the system's not there it's not effective as it once was so I think I think Messi's gone um and the fact that he actually you know gave them the entire essentially the entire season here to at the very least kind of somewhat get things in order and prepare for that that post Messi era versus hey I'm leaving with two weeks left in the window try and replace Lionel Messi, you know, I think, you know, at least at the very least got to owe him that, you know, as you mentioned, a ton of, of wage relief. So it's going to be fascinating to see what Barcelona's focus is as far as, uh, you know, spending. Yes. But also trying to get players in there that can help with, um, you know, life after Messi, but real quick, before we move on to, uh, I guess, more La Liga and Spain centric um, topics here, Zach, you mentioned Puig, right? And I think he was a pleaser player that many have been focusing on, you know, coming through that, that, that academy, uh, hoping that he would break in and, and, make, and make waves at the club. Um, of course, you and I, everyone knows here that Martino and I are, are big Milan fans, and Puig has been recently linked with him. Now, I'm not going to speak on the legitimacy of the source, but I'm, I'm curious, do you think he would be someone that maybe Milan could use? Do you rate him maybe at the same that you did when he came in. What is your general thoughts on Puig? And do you think he would be a fit for Milan and Italian football? I love Puig. I, I think that he's just a really exciting player to watch. Um, and, and, and still very young. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people, when they see Puig and they see a situation, they think, you know, okay, another young, uh, small technical player who can, you know, do a lot of tricks and, and feints, and, but, but that's really it to his game. And that's not true at all. Um, you know, if you watch him under Setien, you will see the fact that he actually has a very, you know, he, he's a player who, who is a modern uh, playmaker, very much so. You know, he, he will put in a lot of effort in winning the ball back and just quickly circulating possession you know he doesn't dawdle on the ball he's always going to be passing and moving and and so he's very much not just this static player who hasn't transitioned from from youth to to the senior level you know he is actually a player who can do it on both sides of the ball um and i i'm just really confused why he hasn't gotten any gotten more gotten more opportunities at the top level um 
Milan is, you know, they're obviously having an incredible season under Stefano Pioli right now. Um, and I'm not sure if, if Milan would be the right move for him. Um, I think that, one, I think that, that he's probably better off playing in a 4-3-3 than a 4-2-3-1, uh, which Pioli uses. Um, I think that Puig to Milan might make sense if they were to... Uh, if we, they if they were to 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 sell Frank Kessier or Ismail Ismail Benasser, um, probably Kessie more more so just because Benasser is more of a kind of the the holding midfielder of the team. Um, but I, I don't see that happening, and I I don't think it would make sense for him to join a club where he'd be on the bench. Um, and I I mean I do think that it also says a lot about Milan the fact that. You know, they, they've had a lot of experience picking up in the past few years, picking up rejects of, of bigger clubs, uh, to, to put it unkindly. You know, Halilovic, obviously, um, Diogo Dalot getting him on loan after a so-so spell with Manchester United. I think that United are sort of, I mean, I think that Milan are sort of moving past that point. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not sure that, that, that Milan would be the right move for him. Uh, I think that another Italian club that that could benefit a lot from him is uh, potentially potentially Sassuolo. I think that he would make a lot of sense there, um, and and flor- and I think that he could definitely flourish under uh, Roberto De Zerbi's system. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think that Milan might just be a bit too too high of a step going from a, going from really the fringes of the first team at Barcelona to trying to win a starting spot at, at, in Milan. I'm just not sure if that's the right move for him. Uh, but I, I don't, I certainly wouldn't discount all Serie A teams for, for a move for Puig. Um, and, you know, I, I was saying at the end of the window of uh, the end of the summer window, just why, why isn't Puig demanding a loan? You know, I think that um, Ajax would have been a great move for him getting in, getting some regular minutes in. Um, at the end of the day, I think that his pride uh, played, played a bigger role. You know, he thought, you know, I'm, I'm a great player. I'm going to, I'm going to convince Kuman and, and win a starting spot under him. Uh, and he, it doesn't like, and it doesn't look like he's going to do that right now. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, that's just football. You know, there are some coaches that you'll just never convince no matter how good you are. Um, so yeah, I do feel like he made a mistake in not seeking a loan um, in the summer window and instead deciding to stay put and, and try to win a starting spot. Um, so, but, but yeah, I think that there are definitely a lot of clubs that, that in the Europe's top five leagues where he would be starting, um, you know, ideally it, it would be in Barcelona a few years down the line. I think that he's just a very promising player who really is just far from the, the caricature that, that a lot of people um, make him out to be. And I, I just really can't wrap my mind around why uh, Kuman has been so hesitant to, to give him a real opportunity in the team. Yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll be interesting because again, um, you know, a lot of the times there is environments that just don't work for certain players. And maybe if he just goes to the right environment, he could start thriving because we again, how many times we got to note all the talents that come through Barca in recent years that, you know, I've had a rough go of it. 
That's why I think, by the way, Ansu Fati is like that special. If you could thrive at that age in the environment like he is, and it's not even, you know, the Barca, like he, he was playing well for, for Spain. It's just, I don't know. That's, I just want to side note because I think that kid is just out of this world and it's pretty unfortunate what, what's happened to him injury wise. Hopefully he's not rushed back. And I don't but, think we can put Puig on the same pedestal as. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course not. Yeah. No, of course. I was just, just saying to get, I had to give him his love because he's just. Of course. Just, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. And for me, he's on that same tier as, you know, guys like Halan. He's just that good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, but, but Puig is a very special talent. And I think that he, he really does deserve, especially considering how many other of uh, that, that Kuman hasn't been that unfair to other talents such as Minguesa. Um, and, and yeah, I, he definitely deserves more playing time, whether that's in Barcelona or somebody somewhere else. Yeah. So we'll continue on the, on the topic of top young stars in Spain. <laughs> so who, who have been, some of the players that have caught your eye uh, on the younger side. Um, it, it doesn't matter. I guess you could cap it at 25. It, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, but like, who are some of the players that are like, okay, like this is, they've taken the next step and they're on their way to, to being one of the better young players in La Liga and maybe even all, all of Europe, depending on what you think. Well, uh, you know, like I like I mentioned, uh, Pedri has been a player who has been very impressive on both sides of the ball, um, and and I think that he's 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 definitely one of the brightest lights of this dour season uh, for Barcelona. Um, uh, I think maybe you know, besides Barcelona, uh, there are definitely a lot of impressive young players who are who are staking out a claim. Um, one player who uh, you, you might actually have some experience with, uh, Yangel Herrera. He is a, a Venezuela international. Um, he, was, he was part of that team that got to the uh, U20 World Cup final with, with Venezuela in, in 2017. Um, he was bought by the, Manche- by the City Group, loaned to, to New York City FC, um did well there and then now and now is playing for Granada he's a very impressive player who who I've been a fan of for quite a while uh very physical box-to-box midfielder and uh can can win a lot of those ground and aerial duels uh very mobile and and can you know he's definitely a guy who will put in a shift both on and off the ball um and and yeah, he's he's a very impressive young midfielder who I think could could definitely get a bigger move after after another season with with Granada. Um, aside from Yangel Herrera, who I believe is like twenty three, so still pretty young, um, there are definitely a lot of other young players who who are impressing me this season in La Liga. One player. Um, who who is who is doing well for both club and country is Yunus Musa um, for Valencia. Musa has a pretty interesting story. He was born in New York to Ghanaian parents. Went to Italy when he was I think a one year old. Um, spent a few years in Italy and then went to London where he developed in Arsenal's academy. 
Um, and despite the fact that Unai Emery wanted to, to give him more minutes in the first team, he decided to leave and, and join Valencia's academy, spent a year in the reserves before becoming a, a first choice, um, become, becoming first choice under, under new manager Javi Garcia. Um, he's, he's really replaced Ferran Torres, uh, who, joined, who joined Manchester City in a, in a really interesting way. Um, he's playing on the right side of Gracia's 4-4-2, but he's not really a, a true winger. He's more of a box-to-box midfielder. In many ways, having a similar role to, to Blaise Matuidi for, for France in the 2018 World Cup, albeit on a different flank. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that he could have played for the, the uh, could have played for England or Ghana, he has played for the United States in the uh, past few games under Greg Berhalter. Uh, and I, I think that if he does play for the, in the World Cup qualifiers next year, which I believe he will, um, he will be tied up for the U.S. So definitely a player for, for American fans to keep in mind. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, apart from that, uh, one another player who who has impressed me a lot has been Pervis Estupiñan. Um, Estupiñan is, is part of this really exciting uh, new crop of of young Ecuadorian talents. He, um, you know, developed in Ecuador, but I think when he was seventeen, was was bought by Watford. Uh, who then loaned him out to to a ring of uh, to an array of Spanish clubs, um, and he did very well at Osasuna last season. was was one of the best uh, one of the best left backs in Spain at at Osasuna. Um, and then and when he returned from his loan, uh, he didn't want to play in the championship for Watford, who had just been relegated, and he demanded a transfer. And he ended up joining Villarreal. Uh, replacing Alberto Moreno, who who had a long-term injury. Um, and he's done very well under Emery, uh, really a, a talented uh, left back who can who can offer a lot of resources in attack, a very nice dribbler. Uh, one player who I thought that Barcelona should have been looking after, should have been looking at. Um, but, you know, Villarreal are a, in many ways a stepping stone club. So I do think that I could certainly see Barcelona going in for Estupiñan um, in, in, at the end of the season. He's just a very promising young left back uh, who, who I believe will get a big move soon. Yeah, I, I think you, you brought up some, some phenomenal names there, Zach. And I think La Liga's, um, you know, it's, when, when you look at the table, obviously you're going to see the, the usual suspects kind of conjocking for top four. But like clubs like Real Sociedad, Villarreal are, are in the mix there. And I think it kind of sheds light on why they're maybe in there. And, you know, we, this gets me into my next part here as a, as a kind of a follow-up to what, I, what we just asked. Um, Samuel Chukwezi at Villarreal and what Martin Odegaard accomplished at Sociedad last year, of course, now back at Real Madrid. Those two players really had phenomenal seasons last year, um, for, but for whatever reasons, whether it be opportunity, whether it be just just a regression in play, right. who have been players that you've noticed have maybe taken a step back that you were f- expecting more from and maybe uh, a little bit more of a, a progression um, in maybe their second or third year, someone in the limelight as uh, a top talent in La Liga? Uh, yeah, you mentioned Chukwese, and who is the other one? Uh, Odegaard. Odegaard, uh, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, Odegaard and Chukweze, two players who um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a step back. Maybe in Chukweze's case, I think that Odegaard is just it's it's tough to to compete against players like Modric and Cruz, and he is very young. Um, I think that he did have a step back in midway through last season. Just uh, to be fair, he was dealing with an injury, um, but you know he is a young player, and and he will. Uh, I think he will rebound. Chukweze is, is certainly another player who showed a lot of early promise, but uh, it, it's just he can definitely be sort of wasteful in possession and hasn't really developed a consistent end product. Um, and as a result, has sort of struggled for minutes under Emery. Um, I think you could also add Takefuso Kubo to that to that um, to that list. Mm-hmm. Another player who who, you know, owned by Real Madrid, had a lot of teams wanting to, to bring him in on loan, went to Villarreal, and it doesn't seem like that was a great choice for him. Uh, you know, he hasn't been like he was at, at Mallorca. He, he hasn't been playing that much. Um, so that, you know, yeah, I mean, Kubo, I, I'm not sure that was the right move for him going to Villarreal. Um, another player who who has taken a step back, I feel, um, has been Alexander Isak. Isak is a, uh, uh, a Swedish player of Eritrean descent, I believe, who, who joined Borussia Dortmund's um, Borussia Dortmund at an early age, uh, didn't really play much, went to, I think, Willem II on, on loan um, and, and did well and, and then got a move to Real Sociedad ended up uh, benching William Jose and, and doing very well as a lone striker. But he has regressed a little bit this season. Um, and I think that, you know, in order, this is a very promising Real Sociedad team. Um, and, but, but, you know, in order to, to push for, uh, maybe not the title, but to push for top four, they need a player who's going to be, uh, to be consistently, um, you know, providing those goals, and and while he has uh, scored in a in a few games, such as the um, the the weekend game against Levante, he he ha- he isn't doing it on you know a consistent enough pattern. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully that goal against Levante will will help him find a consistent run of form because he is a very promising young striker, and I do think that he could be you know part of that next. Uh, next next uh run of 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 scandinavian talents such as erling Haaland, such as odegaard uh who you know can take that next step in in europe's elite so real quick before we head on out here and this is a player that his name has popped up everywhere and we're transitioning to our own country in america Uh, a little bit of a curveball year for you brian reynolds um <laughs> Moving over to Roma, most likely, from everything that right. we've seen, Tom Bogert, um, who was a past guest on the podcast as well, was was reporting all the teams that were interested. It was confirmed interest from Juve, uh, Milan, and they were saying up to over 20 clubs. And it didn't have it in euros, but I believe it was in American dollars um, of I around $9 million. I think it was 7.5 million euros around that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. around like nine, 9 million American dollars. Yeah. You know, three kids are from Texas. Um, this isn't the first American that would be playing for Roma because 
good old Michael Bradley was there for a little bit. Um, what about this move? Like I see, I see this kid and this is such a modern looking football talent yeah. at, at fullback. I know he was a converted forward. Um, I mean, he's just like a physical beast and you know what? It's just all about honing his skills at the right time. Um, and he's young enough. Like what, what kind of upside does he have? Because if they can get him to be producing at a club like Roma, Team USA is in a really good spot with Dest and and Brian Reynolds yeah. there because that's just, you know, we were hoping for one good fullback in our lifetimes and we have the potential of getting two at the same time. So um, what do you yeah. think about the potential move for Brian Reynolds? And I mean, not just those two, those two guys. I mean, you've got Antony Robinson oh, yeah. at, uh, at, at, at Fulham, you know, Sam Vines at, uh, at Colorado um and and you know Reggie Cannon at, at Boavista who's uh who's who's getting a lot of attention from other clubs um but it was actually you know Cannon's departure in in September uh to Boavista that that opened the door for Reynolds to have a lot more minutes at Dallas and it's been it's really been beautiful to see um I actually wrote a piece uh, last year about about Dallas's academy and what makes their their academy just be, in my opinion, the best in 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 the United States and and one of the best in North America. It's just crazy. Such a, I would have thought Texas would be producing this type of football. Usually, it's yeah. American football. Yeah. Texas, I have a have a you know a great history with football and, and basketball, oh, yeah. but but I mean with with soccer, you know you you've got you've got this Dallas Academy that just continues to produce top tier talents like Reggie Cannon, Paxton Pomacall. Um, and yeah, Reynolds definitely looks like that next guy up. I mean, really, um, really active in attack and has, has a really good way of going forward and putting those crosses in really exciting talent. And it's, 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 it's crazy to believe that, you know, after Cannon left just a few months ago, um, the, the guy who sort of replaced him is, is might just be getting a bigger move, bigger move than Cannon. Um, it, it's just, it's a really exciting time to be, a you know, a U.S. fan. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be, it's definitely a huge step um, for, for, for Reynolds, but I think it, I think, I think you go for it. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that has to be the, the mindset in general of just MLS clubs and really anybody who wants to see, um, you know, U.S. go forward. I mean, I, I Tyler Adams, for example, yeah. uh, we interviewed him on Breaking Lines, I think, two years ago, more than two years ago, when he was still with the Red Bulls. Um, and, you know, while he hasn't been an undisputed starter at Leipzig under Julian Nagelsmann, he has definitely learned a lot and improved a lot and, you know, obviously scored that incredible goal against Atletico Madrid. And those kinds of experiences, even if you aren't a starter, they will help you grow so much as a player um, and yeah, I think that Reynolds definitely has what it takes to, to challenge for a starting spot at right back uh, at Roma. I mean, looking at, the, you know, with all due respect to, to guys like, you know, Rick Harsdorp and, and, yeah. and you know, was, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the ghost of Florenzi, if he ever returns <laughs> the there, it's just, yeah. and he's not actually Florenzi hasn't been that bad at PSG but um, yeah no yeah, he's right a good he's a good forward yeah for yeah, like a right no. wing back role not a great yeah right back, back yeah but I honestly feel like I mean you know and and Paulo and you know Paulo Fonseca is a good manager that Reynolds mm-hmm. will 
we'll learn a lot. And but yeah, I do feel like Reynolds. Um, I mean, you know, and and yeah, MLS to to Europe's top leagues, it's a bit of a jump. But you know, looking at guys like Alfonso Davies and 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 Giovanni Reina, who've who've gone from you know playing in MLS or in Reina's case, Reina's case, not even playing in MLS, right? Just yeah. developing in the academy to to not not just playing uh, you know sporadically, but to actually winning a starting spot. Um, so, you know, in, I think that in Reynolds case, yeah, you, you go for it, you know, staying in, staying in, in, in America, you know, where your comfort zone is, uh, that just, that just doesn't make you grow as much. That doesn't challenge you as much. Um, so I think that if you have the chance to go to a club like Roma, who, uh, you know, are a, are a very solid team and a perennial European team and have a good coach in under Paulo Fonseca and, and, and have sort of, and right back or right wing back is sort of a, a sort of a, a tough position for them. You know, I think you know, guys like Bruno Perez, uh, Rick Harsdorp, it's a pretty unconvincing bunch of names. And they're I not, they're not long-term for them. No, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> no. absolutely. No not. one's long-term right? in Roma. <laughs> That's a good point. So I feel like, yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously Roma are a stepping stone club. So you know, I mean, let's not get our get ahead of ourselves. But if he does well, then he will be t- attracting the attention of, of a lot of bigger clubs. Um, so yeah, I, I like that move a lot. I know that it's not finalized or anything, yeah. um, but I really like that that potential move, Reynolds to Roma. It even sounds nice. <laughs> it even has a nice ring to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it definitely speaks to not only FC Dallas's work in in their academy. But also this just, you know, this new generation of American footballers who are just, uh, you know, who have what it takes physically, technically, and mentally to make the step up. Um, and, you know, I'm super excited to see, to see Reynolds get that big move, whether it's Roma or somewhere else. I'm, I'm really excited. And I think, you know, Serie A would be, um, would be welcoming with open arms for another FC Dallas his, his player, obviously you had Weston McKenney, who's yeah. went to Schalke and knew he had a pretty good career there. But, you know, and even Radha Juve, now he's a former FC Dallas Academy graduate. And I think the, the expectations were a bit mixed on what he would provide Juve in year one. But, I mean, you can make a case that Weston McKenney's been Juve's most consistent and most dependable midfielder this year. So I think uh, I think the Reynolds is when, in weighing his many options, as you mentioned, Martino, some dozen teams, if maybe more, I think maybe they'll have a chat with Weston to say, hey, like, talk to me about Italy. What's, what's the kind of the vibe around there? And it's just exciting. I know all of us can kind of share the same sentiment that we're having these types of talents, like being on the radar of top clubs. It's not just one out of every 10, they're not, 15 they're not prospects. It's like every time move, you turn yeah. around, you're like, yeah. they have another guy. They have another guy who wants McKenzie. to go to Europe. And there's interest there. Yeah, Mark McKenzie, Celtic, Daryl yeah. Dyer. Bruges. I mean, and, and, you know, this is a very, you know, high reward, low risk kind of move. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't do well in, in Roma, okay. I mean, you go to somewhere else in Europe, or if you want, you go back to the U S and, and start for Dallas or some other team, you know, I mean, it's, for me, it's a high reward, low, ri- low risk kind of move. Um, and I think it would be amazing to see, to see Reynolds fighting it out for a starting spot. And, you know, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't win that starting spot, he will have learned a lot under under Fonseca. 
Assuming yeah. he's the manager in the year. We never Yeah, know. yeah. I mean you never you never know. Yeah, with the with the freakins, we give them the benefit of the doubt because they just yeah. got there. So another so. Texas based uh company. <laughs> All right, we're bringing back our player profile of the week before we head on out here. Zach, who is the player? So um, I believe last time out it was Myron Boadu, um, Vaz Alkmar. I could do an updated <laughs> profile on Boadu. Billy, Billy Bean's team, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, with, with another player who um, is, is the same nationality as Boadu. I'm going to go with Sven Botman uh, of, of Lille. So Botman is a product of Ajax's academy, uh, spent pretty much his entire, uh, his entire adolescence at Ajax's famed academy, uh, but was struggling for playing time, didn't, didn't get a single minute in, in Eric Ten Hag's side. And so he went to Herenveen on loan last season, uh, did very well, and ended up joining uh, Lille. Uh, this past summer for 8 million euros, uh, replacing Gabriel Magalhaes, who joined Arsenal. And uh, Botman has been very, very good for Lille, who, uh, who currently sit atop the Ligue table after yesterday's draw um, against PSG. He is, Botman is a, uh, is a right-footed centre-back, but playing on the left side of the, the, the centre-back pairing with Jose Font. Um, I believe he's 20 years old, but, but turning 21 uh, in a few months. Um, very promising uh, center back who is just, a, is just a physical beast. You know, he's, he's just incredibly tall, incredibly physical, uh, and, and rapid for a guy who I think is like 6'4". Uh, so pretty, really rapid for a size. Also has a lot of ability on the ball as we've grown accustomed to with, with Ajax products. Um, you know, didn't, wasn't able to, to beat out players like Daly Blind and, and, uh, and Per Schurz for, for a spot in Eric Ten Hag's side, but decided to, to bet on himself and join Lille. And he's just been phenomenal uh, in France and uh, he will actually have a chance to uh, to to show his old side what they've been missing when when Lille take on Ajax in the Europa League round of 32 um, so without a doubt I mean at, at 8 million euros he's, he's definitely been one of the bargains of the of the season I think that he's just a player who you know we've seen Lille uh, just just get so many young raw players for just pennies on the dollar and, and just sell them for massive profits. Guys like Rafael Leao um, and Nicolas Pepe and Gabriel Magalhaes. And I, I definitely think that Botman will be the, the next one up. I mean, he's just such a good center back, just a physical beast. Uh, he can break the lines with his passing and just been so important for Lille's uh, not only not not only their you know Europa League form, but but also the fact that they're currently chasing the title under Christophe Galtier. Uh, he's just a just a 
very promising young center back. And I, I think that, you know, if he keeps on playing like this, I don't see why he can't challenge for a spot in, uh, in the Dutch national team. Yeah. The D- the Dutch have so much talent coming out. We'll see how they manage to maybe fix it by the Euros. I don't know. I'm not confident in it. It's not, it's not, it's not a great stretch for them, but nonetheless, they're back to producing some of the top talents um, for sure. But That'll wrap up episode 70. Zach, obviously we want you to plug everything you can get in there. It was such a great, awesome, free-flowing episode with so much information ranging from the greatest player in the world all the way to uh, our star-studded Brian Reynolds from Dallas, Texas. Um, Yeah, so give us the plug on everything and where everyone can follow you. Thank you so much again for uh, giving me the opportunity to come on the podcast. Uh, I hope to be on again soon. I'm the co-creator of Breaking the Lines. Uh, You can follow our uh, content and check out some of our articles on BTL Vid. Uh, We have posted a ton of content in the past few months on these, you know, promising U.S. players as well as uh, other players such as, um, such as, you know, Boadu and and other promising young talents. Uh, So BTL Vid on Twitter. Uh, you can, you can follow us there and check it out on breakingthelines.com. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for, for giving me the opportunity to be on. And I definitely hope to be on again in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a hell of a time for sure. And I'm sure it's going to be one of the more exciting years in, in football with all the transfers potentially going down. Uh, Matt, why don't you, uh, plug yourself as well over there, Mr. Jersey. <laughs> sure. You guys can uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. And I just want to quickly thank Zach for coming on. And I think this is the second time. I think we, that's the confirmation we have here. Um, second episode. I think the first time was one of our first 10 to 12 episodes. So it's great to have him on for this special ep- episode 70. And I can speak to, to BTL and what they've done. Um, I was someone who uh, wrote for them a couple years ago. I think I did one or two comps, and I know that you guys were really heavy in the comps, and I know Twitter has their their uh, their issues with you know, you know player videos and all that stuff. But I'm sure Zach can speak to that at, at, off the air. But yeah, it's just great to have Zach back on and um, seeing the project that he co-created doing really well as far as the content they're putting out because it is some truly exceptional uh, journalism on football. So make sure you guys go check him out. And yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for following me, whoever on. Uh, does from this episode yeah and yes. finally congrats on the uh the fca um thank you award you know i know you guys have been working super hard on this show and you know it's 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 a testament to all the hard work that you guys have put in uh, it's a really great project you guys are going on and uh you know i really hope to be on again in 2021 appreciate course, that thank you of course yeah it's having people on like you that help us grow so we had no shot without it um Guys, don't forget forget to follow Pet on Twitter. He's twelve followers away still from a thousand. Like this guy needs it. It's, he's he's straight <laughs> up miserable. You should see the WhatsApp. If Arsenal chat. can't win. At least get this guy to a thousand. It's uh, yeah. At least get him to a thousand. You know, like AFTV doesn't deserve all the love. There's other Arsenal <laughs> fans out there struggling. Um, and then you can follow me at Martino Puccio as well. You guys could also always check out Soccer Showdown stuff with all with all the Milan stuff, all the post match reviews that we post um, on Periscope as well. By the way, Periscope is discontinuing by the end of March, so that's uh, that's not going to be fun. I'm going to have to figure <laughs> out how to do that. So I got that update last time I went live. But other than that, you guys could just listen to some more content.